Welcome to a brand new episode of Ian's Untitled Scene Show. My name is Ian, and I am very happy because today I welcome a band that I have been a supporter of for a while, and this is a very exciting time for them. So we're going to get right into it. Please welcome Felipe, Damien, and Salem. This is The Requiem. Guys, I'm not sure who to start with. So to whomever, how are you doing today? Hey, man, I'm chilling. Thank you for having us. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm doing great. Um, it's great being here. Yeah, I'm doing great as well. Thank you again. Very nice. Yeah. Guys, I like I said, I don't bullshit on here, so I am very, very happy to get a chance to speak with you guys. I got to calm down because I was trying to run around and, and get stuff started, and then I forgot a major element. So I'm glad I'm glad I figured that out, and now we can actually get down to business. So first thing I wanted to talk about was the new album, A Cure to Poison the World, is coming out on February 16th on Fearless Records. Now, I have heard the album, so like I said in that little intro there, we are definitely going to get into that a lot. But right now, we're doing this you know, towards the end of January. So this is actually pretty early to be doing this type of, you know, interview conversation. So right now, has has this actually hit you guys that the new album's coming out? Are you just kind of in that, hey, we're going to chill out and we'll just wait for things to happen? Or are you really anxious for things to start? And I, I don't know who might want to take that first or who's used to, you know, who wants to kind of feel that first, I guess. I would say like definitely... There's some anxiety, but it's also like this album has taken so long to come out mm -hmm. that we, I think as a band, we always try to stay busy working on as many different things as possible to kind of like, I guess, create an experience for everybody. So mm -hmm. even if we're not, I don't know, if we're playing like the waiting game of waiting for this album to come out, we are always working on other facets of um, the music and, you know, future stuff and so, I don't know. It's not, we're kind of just chilling, I think. Now, are you guys all in the same area? Are you guys all in Florida right now? Mm -hmm. Yes. All right. So, how often do you guys see each other on a regular basis? Do you live in the same area? We're, we're like 10 minutes away from each other. So, we, oh, nice. we see each other pretty often. I think like once, twice a week sometimes. Okay. All right. So, this isn't really a break period then. You guys are working on your own thing. And I think, Salem, if I'm not mistaken, you have a solo project as well, right? Yeah, I have a solo project, and I also uh, I play guitar in a, a different band called Blood Bather. Oh, okay. I am familiar as well. All right, I actually didn't know that you did that, so that's great. <laughs> Very nice. Oh, there's the dog. Yep. Felipe and Damien, uh, do you guys have any of the... Do you do any side projects that I'm unaware of? Yeah, so I... I, I try to write for other, you know, artists and stuff. And so I do like some production work and um, uh, I know Salem does that as well. And so does Damien. But um, I think we all kind of just write music mm -hmm. uh, in our own time that can be for this project or can be for another project. So, um, yeah. How do you normally decide what fits best? Is it something where you guys bring it? You're like, oh, this kind of feels like the Requiem, that's kind of where we want to go in this direction. Is that how that works? Yeah, so we have we have a few like um, ideas of the directions that we want to take the band. And uh, part of this album as well is that we wanted to make sure that we had the freedom creatively to where uh, fans listen to the album. And um, because it's so diverse and different sounds and directions that mm -hmm. it can be taken, like our future material can be taken. Um, and from like any of the roots from this one. So sure. there's some songs that kind of explore a little bit of each sound further in depth for future material. But um, I think that overall is the goal for our stuff is we're just trying to write material that's a little bit more than just what is introduced in this album. Okay. All right. Uh, I'm going to come back to that because I, I think I want to follow up on that for a second. But Damien, what about yourself? Um, I'm just in the Requiem. I do write some stuff for, for this other side project I started, but it's nothing serious, so I wouldn't okay. consider it like a full-time thing. Um, it's called Heartbreak Motel, and it's basically going to be just a bunch of indie derivative music. Ah. Um, okay. The reason for that is because uh, I kind of just 
always write songs pretty much every day. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I write on acoustic mainly. I don't know how to like write on, on computer yet. So there's a lot of stuff that I write that is just too soft or like just too, I guess, um, like contemporary for, for this, the direction that we want to go with the Requiem, which is ah, like, I guess, sounds- a bit more theatrical and, and kind of like something that, you know, really has unique things. Mm-hmm. So all the songs that I write that I consider like might be too like normal or too soft, I, I throw into the Harboring Motel project instead. Okay. When can, or do you know when, will people be able to hear that at some point? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll probably put out an EP in like March or sometime earlier. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, that works because you'll be putting out, you know, the Requiem in, in February. So you'll be able to add on to some of that as well. Yeah, yeah. No, we're already working on EP number two of uh, Harboring Motel. Oh, very cool. Okay, that's great. Well, yeah, let, let me go back to what Felipe mentioned. When you're talking about kind of having all of these different genres or styles, you know, in the new album, and then having the ability to go off in whichever direction you feel like, you know, later on. Mm-hmm. I guess the question would be, I, I like that idea for sure. I think that's I think that's a great way to be. But is it one of those things where you're going to look at how the fans react and then kind of move in that direction? Or is it something that you're going to feel and say, oh, no, we want our band to be like this no matter what? Yeah, I, I would say it's a it's a half between how people react to our work and then mm-hmm. half of what we want to go and what we want to add to to everything. Okay, because obviously, you know, if if you want to be a band that you know kind of is part of of um of a movement or or like the current like wave of bands, I feel like you you got to be in tune with what people want to hear from bands. Mm-hmm. But I think no band should ever also just uh, fully do that because I think that in doing what you want and, and just having that freedom, uh, it's first a lot more fun. And, and second, that's where you find um, aspects that make your band unique. And sometimes if you're lucky, you know, you push a boundary somewhere and come up with something new. Sure. Now, would you say, and this is for any one of you who wants to answer, you know, obviously congratulations signing with Fearless. You know, it's always great when you're able to get your music out there for more people. But as you know, being artists yourselves and musicians, you know the stigma that often comes with being, you know, on a label of, you know, will they change what your sound is? How much input do they have in what your sound is? So you mentioned freedom. Do you still have that? Are you able to say, hey, look at what the fans want. This is also what we want. We want to go in this direction. Have you seen any pushback yet? Even though it's a it's early in the relationship, but have you seen any of that at all? No, no. no. Oh, great. I think uh, I think that's kind of like a myth. I don't know because uh, I remember I heard that a lot mm-hmm. from my other band's label, which is like Rise. You know, because ah, sure. a lot of bands would you know sign a Rise and then before you know it, they had a clean chorus. Yeah. I don't think a label's ever told me like, oh, I think that you guys should. I think a manager would more push that, okay. and even then, it's like. Um. Yeah, I I wouldn't listen to. It. <laughs> I would just do whatever I want. Like I don't know. Uh, we the musician always knows best, in my opinion. So I I, I was gonna say the same thing that maybe in Paris and and maybe even up until like the early two thousands, mm-hmm. uh, bands did get a lot of shit from record labels because I think that record labels had that like authority that you know. I feel like nowadays the public and the bands themselves have more than than the than the labels like i i feel like the the labels if anything have been kind of catching up to to where music and where bands have been going in the last 10 years okay and it's different than how it used to be i feel like would you say then cuz i think this is really interesting i love this because i've i've had many bands on the show that will talk about having issues with labels sometimes with mm-hmm. managers for sure i don't think it's a general it, it's one of those things where I think you guys are absolutely right. It doesn't happen all the time. I'd be very interested to know if it is something of the past. But let me ask you this then. So what are your opinions then on when we look at our scene of music, right? When we look at post-hardcore, metalcore, screamo, you know, all hardcore, all that stuff put together. When you look at that scene of music, you do see, especially now, a lot of the more popular bands that were on the heavier side moving to a very poppy sound. 
do you think, I think that's... Yeah, go ahead. Uh, I think that... Um, I mean, is, is your question that where is it that because it's like being pushed on them to do yeah. that? The label, is it the fans or is it them? I think that maybe in in some cases it, it has been where the, the label might be like, hey, we, you know, we could try something softer. But I think that the majority of, of times and, and I think that it's also a natural progression for bands to not become more poppy, but to kind of start limiting themselves more because you you can do something insanely cool with like technical aspects and like you know really extreme sounding shit mm-hmm. but it's much more valuable if you can do that in a four four song with like only clean tones if you sure. can if you can still be extreme or if you can still do something technical with like the most simple fucking tools yeah that's what makes you a truly talented musician and i think that that that's the natural progression that all musicians get to that they start yearning for that like oh i've done all the crazy shit now i want to kind of go into like you know can i do it in in like a really simple way and can it still be like a hit or something like that i I think that um pop music is as shit as it can be sometimes Mm -hmm. with like really shallow and fucking vapid artists sure um, I think pop music in in the sense of how it's written, like um, like me, me and Salem and, and Philippe were talking about yesterday, we were talking about the Beatles. Like the Beatles are probably one of the most influential bands of all time. And, and if you look at their music, it's it's quite simple, but oh, yeah. uh, it's it pushes so much shit still because within that simplicity, within those limitations that they set for themselves, they created amazing work. And, and, and it's all, you know, Timeless. So, uh, and that music and those structures still, um, they're still fire to this day. Like you could compare it to anything of the same style or even different styles that's coming out now, and it still holds up. It's timeless music. So, I think that it's the natural progression of musicians to just want to become more um, uh, simple, maybe, and 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 more pop. Because if you if you can still have the same essence of like a heavy band while you're softer. I think that just shows more talent than just fucking going crazy and and doing some rowdy shit. Yeah. Another thing I'd like to add to is that I think that people also kind of just grow, like you know, as musicians and as writers. So Mm -hmm. um, they're not going to be writing the same type of material forever because they're not really. It's not something that does it for them. You know, they already did that, and it's like you're always looking for different avenues and outlets for how to express yourself and the art that you're making. So I think genuinely like a lot of heavier bands that do transition into like softer sounds and stuff. It's also because I don't think it comes out of left wing for them. I think it's something that was already there Hmm. to begin with, like when they started with heavier stuff, but it's something that they weren't necessarily able to explore before because of where they were Mm -hmm. in their career. Maybe, maybe they were just doing really well with heavy music and they're at a point, they reach a point where they're like, you know, in a position comfortable enough to try something new. So hmm. they go and they try it. And I'll add even more. Um, definitely when it comes to heavy music and as someone that's worked in heavy music, you know, mm-hmm. since I was like basically like 18, uh, you're going to run out of fucking breakdowns. Like there's <laughs> only so many, <laughs> only so many combinations of, uh, there's only so many combinations in your brain of a breakdown that you can make. You right. know what I mean? And it's like, if you've already mastered in your opinion, like if you did a record that was, even if it was more in our vein, you know, post hardcore blah, blah, blah. Yeah. It's like, okay, well, I've tried my best within these 10 songs to explore that sound. And it's like, I most likely can't beat, if I've already tried my best, you know, making yeah. whatever breakdown or whatever part. But I feel like when you get to softer music and just rock in general, it's just such a bigger playing field than something like post hardcore or metalcore or whatever the fuck. Yeah. Um, so you get more of, uh, there's more of a palette of what you can, you know, take from this and that and the other compared to with heavy music. It's like, you know, people think I'm not going to say what band, but they'll, they'll say the new gent band is adding this new style. It's like, okay, it's still gent music. They just, you know what I mean? It's like, there's only so much, Further, you could push that comparative mm-hmm. to rock, which I feel like there's just so much. There's so much more to take into yeah. uh, account when you're writing a rock song compared to a metalcore or warp tour song. Yeah. I'll say. Well, would you 100%. say? Oh, yeah. Go ahead. 
I was, I was just going to say that even for the fans too, uh, it's funny because there's a, a joke in Twitter I remember seeing. It was like the pipeline from the hardcore kid to the 1975 fan. Oh. It's like, it's, <laughs> so many people, uh, like even the fans, you know, we, we start seeing music that's like pop as shit, but it's so good because it's, I don't know, it pushes um, music forward when, when when people are able to do that in, in the pop realm, uh, music that's that good. Um uh, and another thing that that I was thinking of too is that when we look at heavier bands and and, and extreme music, mm-hmm. I think that what one really appreciates the most out of those bands is the grittiness, the vulgarity, and the relentlessness of some yeah. of that music has. Right. But people forget that you can only have that for so long uh. before it becomes dull. Like look at a band like Slipknot, for example. You know they're possibly one of the ones that were the most violent in, in their prime. And that's sure. what drew so many people to them. They were terrifying and they were sick and they were, they were cool. But it gets to a point where like even them in their personal lives, they're probably so comfortable and chilling with like mad money. And like, you know, even <laughs> when things that's bad happen to them, they probably don't get affected in the same way anymore because they're mm-hmm. adults and they've, you know, they have all these other means. So it's like that will show in their music. And that's why a band like Slipknot has become, you know, progressively softer with time and, and more mellow because it's just not like that anymore. I think there's few exceptions to 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 that rule. Yeah. And it's probably like bands like Rammstein and Marilyn Manson, but I think those are just cuz they're weird individuals. <laughs> I think that any any normal human like, you know, the the more you grow, the more calm you become and the the less angry you are and the less likely to do crazy shit you become as well. And I right. think that that is the beauty of underground heavy music, but I think that it should be left for the underground heavy artists to do because they can only, they're, they're the ones that can do it best. Like when a band that's been doing it for so long and at such a big level tries to get even heavier than they were before, mm-hmm. it usually turns out to be very corny and it doesn't, doesn't come out as well as, as they think it will. Yeah. Okay. I can, I can see what you're saying there. Actually, I loved what all three of you said there because I don't know if I've gotten that kind of response when I've talked about this type of topic. So I very much, appreciate what you guys said so let me let me ask this question then because just to kind of narrow down what you were saying as well when you talk about an area in pop music that is better or easier to or maybe not even easier being simpler when you're working you can always take that as a negative connotation of dumbing it down right because when you talk about pop music pop music isn't a genre it's more well it's a genre, but it's it's for the masses, right? Yeah. It doesn't it doesn't necessarily mean popular anymore, or sorry, it doesn't necessarily mean pop elements. It means popular. So it's what is attractive to most people. But we're talking uh-huh. about simplifying, right? Yeah. We're talking about dumbing down. So it's one of those things where, in order to reach the masses, you have to simplify and dumb down your music in a way in order to make that happen. But what you're saying is that as artists, especially ones that come from the extremes, it's more difficult to be able to narrow and simplify into that pop area. So you're saying for the artists themselves, it's more challenging to be able to write something that is meaningful, but then also reaches the masses. Did I get that right? Yes, exactly. I think I think it's, it's challenging for any artist because um, it, it's not so much that just necessarily dumbing everything down it's it's putting yourself in limitations mm-hmm. so you are forced to become more creative and, and i see okay. try things in in a more like genuine way and, and and it it pushes everything to have a little bit more essence within it i think that you know we can look at music like pink floyd that was fucking technical as shit and yep. it was so good and so beautiful at the same time but it never reached the masses as much as something like Bohemian Rhapsody by Queen, for example. And sure. I think that it is because uh, there's something within those more contemporary melodies that that Queen would use, and 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 they also had like the whole operatic, um, like opera aspects to oh, it that sure. is just yeah, yeah. embedded in everyone's conscious. So it's like when you are able to do something for the masses, I think that it it, it is not only more. It's not necessarily more challenging, but it is more rewarding, I feel like, uh, because more and more people appreciate it. You know, it's like, um, 
you have Prince, for example, who's like one of the greatest fucking musicians of all time. But sure. the reason why he was never as big as Michael Jackson, I feel like, is because Michael Jackson was a little less technical and more so about like making things that would really stick with people. So like yes, any fucking right. body can remember a Michael Jackson melody, but you know, not many people can remember Prince melodies other than Purple Rain. So that doesn't negate the fact that Purple Rain and, and everything that Prince did is in, like amazing by, by, by every means. But um, Michael just had that one other thing that it, I feel like it, it can happen when you put yourself in limitations. And, and I think that is because for example, Prince knew how to play pretty much every instrument. Michael mm -hmm. didn't. Michael would beatbox fucking melodies. You know what right, I mean? So it's right. like the fact that he had that lack of ability kind of pushed creativity in a way, I think. Yeah. I think it also like has to do with just the saturation of like pop music and pop structure. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're, we live in a time where like music is as accessible as it's ever been. And like creating music has been as accessible as it's ever been. So you have just an influx of artists and um, all these people putting out music. And so now more than ever, like, I guess it's a different challenge in writing music that is pop music that I think can be appreciated as a writer. Um, because now it's not like I'm going to try to be technical or I, I can be technical with like metal, metal core and stuff or like even jet music. That's pretty much just funk. Like that's sure. just very much just rhythmic music. Um, but pop because it moves so quickly and there's, it kind of just rides trends and stuff as well. Mm -hmm. When you try to write stuff for that, you're working within a smaller margin, but trying to make a bigger impact in that margin. So it's almost like taking a group of people and like, putting everybody in a jar and like yourself included, you're in this jar mm -hmm. and you are all trying to get out at the same time. And it's like, it, it's kind of like, I don't know. It's kind of, it's kind of exciting because it's also like, it forces you as an artist to explore other ideas that you normally wouldn't, that are going to be unique to your music mm -hmm. that make you stand out from the rest, but also resonate with so many people. Interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I really like what you guys are saying. I appreciate I appreciate this this different perspective. So let me also. Oh, I'll yeah. add real quick. Sure. Um, another reason why I think Prince was a good example too, and I think Prince also didn't make the biggest mark uh, compared to. Well, I mean, he made a huge mark, but compared to Michael Jackson, uh, is also because he was super against the industry. Um, yeah. Music didn't even get on Spotify or YouTube. All the videos were gone. Uh, until he died and they gave up like I, basically like he gave up the battle against the industry that's why he came up with the the symbol uh that was the artist which is like what they refer to you on uh contracts yeah. uh music contracts mm -hmm. so i think that's another interesting way of like why prince didn't make it but it's also because yeah like his music was a lot more e experimental but that doesn't negate the fact that you know he's fucking prince <laughs> right right well based on what you guys are saying would you would you see our scene then as something like this? So basically, you can start out at the extremes or one of the big things, obviously, for a while now and something you guys are very good at doing, adding in multiple genres, right, into your music. So that way, basically, when you're growing, you're making that music until you're not feeling it or you need a different challenge as an artist. And that's when you're moving into that more possibly poppier, you know, simplified area when you're when you're doing that. The question then that I have is once you've made it to where you're almost completely pop, let's say you you've made so much music now that you've left, you know, post hardcore screamo and you've really just you're electronic, you're using a lot of electronics, you're very poppy in that in that sense and you haven't really gone back to the way that you were before, are you still a scene band? Or are you now a pop band? I think you can still be a, a scene band in like attitude, but you're definitely, a, you, when you become big enough that like millions of people are following you, mm -hmm. I, I don't think you can consider yourself part of any small scene. You're, you're, you're a pop artist now. Like Bring Me the Horizon, they're, yeah, they're making... Right pop rock music at this point because they're so fucking huge that doesn't mean that the music doesn't have extreme aspects to it they still have some fucking parts that are deathcore shit and they have like screams and crazy guitars that's like um 
I don't, I don't think anyone would really just call them a, a pop band, but they are huge. I'm you know? almost so it's like, almost. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I think that, um, that, 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 that's the thing is it like, it's, I feel like we, as, as lo- looking at the scene from the, from the outside in, we yeah. kind of want to keep it all where it's at. Yes. But right, right. things, you know, uh, if if they are good, it's natural for them to grow. And and, mm-hmm. and when they, when they grow out of, of of a certain like movement or or a, or a, or a genre, um, we tend to kind of shit on them a lot. I feel like it's happened to so many bands. Oh, the, sure. the only reason the only reason why I think it has not happened to Bring Me the Horizon as badly as it's happened to other bands, it's because they have always been like that. You know, it's it's hard to see because they started so extreme, but we can see it even in Suicide Season when they mm-hmm. put out the second version of the record, the remix, ah, sure. with like electronic remixes of fucking everything. You know, they were the first ones that had Skrillex in a track. So they were so progressive even back then with like how they were incorporating other genres into their own oh, music sure. that it didn't come out of left field when they started doing that on their own like um, records. Um, yeah. To comment on like... Uh, as for like our future with like direction and stuff, mm-hmm. I think as a band, we will also always keep the essence of what, um, you know, this, this band, I guess, like encapsulates and means to not only us, but to, to everybody. Right. Um, so oh, even, even if there was one day where like we were incredibly pop, like in front of like just the world and shit, like you, you could still look at us and listen to us and still, draw the connection between this album coming out now and that point. Right. Okay. Yeah. I like hearing that. Yeah, for sure. And I think you guys have, you've done that on a smaller scale because obviously we have, we have the new album, a cure to poison the world coming out on February 16th, but your name wasn't always the Requiem. You were a band before. And I, and I actually, I have a lot to ask about that too, because I mean, you guys Mm -hmm. had to have gone through some shit in order to completely do a brand change and everything like especially nowadays trying to you know get your original fan base and then have to remarket rebrand you know get everybody back all that kind of stuff or get you know fans of yours of of the previous band into the new band you know all that kind of stuff there's a lot that goes into that so i'm going to make a fool out of myself right now and i'm going to try to pronounce the name and i am awful at it <laughs> Uh, (laughs) so is it the i always called you guys lex when i knew you but is it laquisite delore 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 so so close my Uh, friend it is linguini delorean ah linguini delorean (laughs) of course how did i not recognize that no 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 Um, (laughs) Yeah, I mean, shit, man. Even even us, we even us, we struggled to, to fucking say the name properly at at every single time. You know, I I think for like a good m- couple months, I was the only one that was saying it right, and uh. then I learned that even I was saying it wrong. So. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah, no, we definitely had to change that name. It was it was cool yeah. for like for a band that you know wasn't taking itself too seriously yet, and it, and it didn't think it could be anything uh but as soon as we started noticing that people were actually fucking with their music and that we were ready to become more um invested in it we mm-hmm. we just you know the natural thing was like oh we're probably gonna have to change our name moving forward and then when we started talking with the label they were like have you guys thought about changing your name and we were like since you asked yeah and then ah, <laughs> so okay it's just it, it was always gonna happen it, it was inevitable too many people had a hard time remembering the name it was hard to even type it uh it's just it, it was a it was a struggle for sure um but i think that thanks to social media it was in a very harsh transition it was very easy we just changed the name on the page and everyone just kind of was like oh okay their name is the rug room now right. and then obviously there were some people that were like is this still the same band but like yeah um yeah, and obviously we were. It's the same core members, same writers. So um, I think that at, at, at the end of the day, like I said, it was always going to happen. And I'm glad that we chose the name we chose because mm-hmm. it was a name I had for like years. Same as Lex with Dolores. Lex with Dolores used to be my my handle on, on Instagram. Ah, okay. So 
uh, when we were looking for a band name, I was just like, yo, why don't we just use my IG handle? And then the Requiem is a name that I had for, for years because I just fucking loved that word so much. Sure. And then um, when we started in this new period of ours, um, we just felt that it was the one that fit the best out of all the ideas that mm-hmm. we came up with. Mm-hmm. And it was also one of the ones that wasn't as taken as every other name in existence. Uh, so, <laughs> well, well, first of all, by the way, I got to question that really quick. Mm-hmm. I could name a ton. Like, like I said, I'm a huge fan of your music. This is like one of my favorite mixtures of genres is what you guys are doing right now. I love oh, yeah. the old school screamo post hardcore of the early two thousands. One of my favorites. And there's some great, great bands bringing that sound back. And you guys are one of them, but thank you. Oh yeah, absolutely. Sorry. Thank you. I, I'm not gonna I'm not about to trash you. That wasn't like a but I don't like this. No, it wasn't anything like that. <laughs> what I wanted to what I wanted to check on is one of the bands that I would say if I had to describe you uh and put like a whole bunch of what I would think some influences would be, one of the biggest would be I Am Ghost. Okay. Yeah. And I Am Ghost changed their name to uh Requiem for a Dream and then Requiem. So was that kind of almost an homage to them as well? I, I'm just not sure. Cause my, I mean, the name of my show is an homage to a previous host of a show on fuse who used to have bands like taking back Sunday and the used and my chemical romance on before anyone else did. So did you guys know about those uh, name changes? I just wasn't sure. No, I've never cool. heard of that band. Honestly, <laughs> you've never heard of I am ghost. No. Wow. I think if you guys I I remember I remember seeing their name around Mm -hmm. when I was like really into like post hardcore music. And that was definitely one of the bands that I always was like, oh, I should check them out. Um, but I actually never checked out their music until when we put out diary, someone on the comments was like, Oh, this reminds me of I Am Ghost, and I checked it out and it was fucking dope. So I it definitely wasn't intentional, but it's it's hella cool that it happened like that. Um yeah, that's why I just wanted to check on. Yeah, if you guys, and that's the thing too, uh, one of the other interesting things, not to go on a complete tangent again, but one of the mm-hmm. other interesting things about bands that sometimes make my favorite type of music, you guys don't always listen to you know the same style of music that you're making while you're currently making it. So you might have been fans of The Used, you might have been fans of you know I Am Ghost or somebody else in the past, but you might not listen to that music consistently now. Yeah, well, I mean, and, and it's also just like sometimes the sound is so broad that, you know, people can like um, see so many um, influences in it. Like, for example, for Diary, our first song, we, mm-hmm. we used to get like, oh, this sounds like FI. Oh, this sounds like the um, my, my Chemical Romance. Oh, this sounds like this. And, blah, blah, blah. Sure. and the only two influences I would say were probably the used and get scared. <laughs> ah, <laughs> so, yes. Okay, sure. <laughs> So it was like nothing like AFI, like none of like the other much bigger bands. It was just get scared. So like, yeah, I think that for us it was super cool because we were like, oh man, we've always wanted to write a song that sounded kind of like that, but also just with like a little much of uh, of a of a modern mix. And also mm-hmm. in the in the bridge, we wanted to do something very very fucking like musical. And um, what Felipe Salem and, and Steve came up for for that for that transition in the bridge. It reminds me of like System of a Down and, sure. and 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 that type of shit, especially with like the vocal harmonies I did. But but yeah, so I think that the early two thousands post hardcore and, and alternative rock world is just so specific that there's there's so many there's too many bands to, to name just like a few. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, just based on Requiem or the Requiem, that's what I want to check on. And by the way. People will eat me alive if I put this episode out and I messed up like I did. It was the the name of the second iteration of I Am Ghost ended up being Requiem for the Dead. That's so not Requiem uh, for a Dream. Uh, Requiem for a Dream is that horribly depressing, awesome movie that I love. Yes, yeah, Darren. Yeah, we're, yeah. we're big fans. Oh, you guys are big fans of that too? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we're, we're just all very big film buffs. We watch like fucking hundreds of movies a week. Oh, good. Okay. But yeah, like Darren that. Aronofsky is... Also that, you know, a lot of people say, oh, is the Requiem from Requiem for a Dream? No, it's not. No. Um, I think if there is one influence that influenced me to, to like use that name as like a tag, because I used to use it as a tag. And then I had a like a side project that I had in like 2019. Oh. I wanted to have a side project that sounded like Vane. And uh-huh. I called it okay. Requiem. And I called uh-huh. it Requiem. Okay. 
Okay. So from then we were like, oh, we should put the instead of wrecking myself in the requiem. Sure. Uh, but the only influence before that was the Chilean band because I'm from Chile oh, and okay. uh, Chile has a huge agro metal scene. It's mm-hmm. like new metal. It's like all those bands like Sepultura and like oh, Korn. Yeah. Sure. So there was a band called Requiem with a K. Ah. That I grew up around. Like they were all friends of my dad's. Okay. And, and that band had a huge fucking influence on me. So if anything, it that's where it comes from mainly. Okay. I will definitely look up that band. Oh, for sure. That's it's awesome. like Deathstones, but like a little darker and in Spanish. Okay. All right. Well, hey, that's fine. There, there are a bunch of bands that have been adding some Spanish elements in the scene as well. So I've enjoyed that too. So I have to check that out. I might not know what they're saying, but I also don't know everything that Rammstein's saying either. So <laughs> that's that's yeah. completely fine. But I, I, so take me through because now you guys are a three piece, right? You yeah. guys, I think, had five mm-hmm. at the time when you were Lex. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what was that? What was that change like? Why? Why the change in general? Besides the, you know, the name change, was it something where you just didn't see them coming with you, or they didn't want to be a part of doing that anymore? Um, that's a good question, and I'm also glad that we're answering it now because it is a question that we get, and it is a bit tough to answer in just like oh, okay. the text online. Sure, sure. But um, I think in essence as many normal things in life, uh, you know, people change and, and we thank them for the time that they had in the band um, as well. But we as a band just also changed a lot, you know, between the time in which we put out the last single is Lex to, you know, signing to Fearless and the whole process of signing to Fearless and then going out, recording this album, writing material for this album, you know, prior to that, there's a lot of, you know, people's lives tend to sometimes change and not everybody can accommodate, uh, you know, the expectations that come with um, these things. And right. that's entirely okay because, yeah. you know, everybody is at a different point in their lives. You know, obviously we're all in this band, but, um, you know, we all go through things and, um, you know, it's just the natural progression of things. Uh, the same way that, like, you know, you maybe don't talk to the same people that you did in high school sure. um, or, you know, just life kind of takes a different route for everybody. And that's kind of just what happened. So, yeah. um, but the three of us have, I want to say like, since the very beginning, been the primary writers for the material, which is why, like, so I know some people ask, like, um, you know, if, if, the, if like our sound is gonna, if our, if our sound changing in any way is impacted by the lineup change. Um, and it really isn't. Um, and some of the material on this album as well, we've had since we were Lex, but we did not right. want to put out as Lex because uh, of the signing. So That makes sense. And to follow mm-hmm. up, and I, I like that, that that completely makes sense to me of, of why you, know, you guys are the core three and why you've decided to continue. So one of the other things also as well is there are some songs on the new album that are, you know, that you re-recorded you know, from Lex. Mm-hmm. So the other thing though, too, is you guys were masters of taking out, like taking off the internet, all the other songs that people also <laughs> love. And I had a very fun time going through comments of people and how angry they are about that. So I like that. Yeah. I, I don't know who runs your social media, but I saw something on Instagram where someone was asking, they were asking for a specific song, I think. They were like, well, are you going to re-record? And I, I don't remember which one it was. And he followed up with, well, if we get over, I think, what do you say, three million streams for three different <laughs> yeah. songs or something like that? <laughs> that is the way to market right there. That is, that is a good thing to do. <laughs> Thank you. That was, that was me. <laughs> but, well done, um, Felipe. Well done. Yeah, so those, those songs are not gone forever i okay. mean those are songs that we kind of hold dear as well but we felt like for the new chapter that we're kind of introducing to everybody mm-hmm. um it kind of just it felt right to do it this way and um so as for plans with those songs we don't have any exact plans at the moment but mm-hmm. they're not they're not gone like forever um and um i'm sure like i said in the comment if we get those numbers like could probably you know expect to see them again at some point 
Okay. Yeah. Maybe like uh, also uh, another reason why I think um, people <laughs> are so mad because they probably don't know that when you sign with a label, they 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 usually expect you to give them new material. So yes. it's, it's like you right. can't just give them like, oh, here's the songs we wrote <laughs> for the last years, you know. Uh, <laughs> You know, um, yeah. so, but, but we love those songs. I, I think that another thing that all three of us feel very strongly about is that the way those songs were recorded, we definitely did not want them up with how, with, with the album yeah, because the difference in sound would be astronomical oh, sure. and we wouldn't want for someone that hasn't heard us before to go on and accidentally click one of those songs first and go, this band sounds pretty fucking amateur i don't want to listen to this instead of you know listening to one of our record songs so um i think that the quality you know it definitely needs to be better and we at the moment don't have the motivation to really go and work on those songs again but sure. if, if if people really want them you know put in that work of that's streaming right and that's right we'll, we'll get motivated enough to bring him back pre-order that fucking album <laughs> yeah that's how you do it that's how you do it I'm going to shock you here with what I'm about to say. Did you yes. or could you believe that the internet does not agree with you? Can, can you believe? Oh, oh. There are many people <laughs> that have said that now you have sold out and that, oh, yeah. The, yeah, the original production on those songs is way, way better. And now by, by the production that's in <laughs> this album now, you guys are worse and it's very sad that you guys have gone this direction because now nothing will work out for you. I don't yeah. know if you know that or not. That was, that, for sure. That so that shit is an ego boost to me because nice. I fucking recorded and mixed like the majority of the OG shit. Yeah, yeah. And not only did I record and mix it, I did it in a very small amount of time. So whenever someone says that, I just laugh because I'm like, first thing, you're literally just lying to yourself. <laughs> uh, and then second thing, thanks. I'm awesome. Yeah, I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> but I think those those comments we we got them first when we re-released Funeral uh, yes. with with Ivy as the first single and we mm. saw them on YouTube and we were laughing our fucking ass oh, off. Good. It's like good, good. how yes. how are your ears so full of fucking wax that you listen to something <laughs> obviously produced in a studio and then you listen to something that's produced in a fucking closet and you go yeah the closet one is way yeah. better. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, well, the the other thing too is that like we. Going out and doing this album, we knew that was kind of going to be more or less the response because naturally, like, people are already attuned to, like, that sound sure. from their band. So, obviously, it's almost kind of similar to what we were talking about earlier with, like, genre, but, like, on a more technical plane for, like, production. Mm -hmm. But, like, once people are used to a specific sound, they're going to want that sound. And we were a band that, uh, as Lex, honestly did not deliver as much as we intended to like sure. we had plans to put out an album independently and stuff and um uh we signed sooner than then and so having done that we had a gap like a year year and a half where we did not put out any music ah, so gotcha. the band for sure felt a bit unfinished and in that year year and a half we constantly had people asking like when there was new music coming out obviously we couldn't talk about anything so right um for people for the first thing that people to get to be something that sounds dramatically different to what they were already their ears were already used to from their band sure. it's expected that they're not gonna be as receptive to the new material but i can tell you for sure that the way that the new material sounds is 100 how we always intended for it to sound we just right. couldn't yeah. make it sound like that from recording it in a closet yeah <laughs> you know, right like, so i mean i think the best part of production in general is you know, fine tuning those elements that you're looking for and showcasing what needs to be showcased. So mm -hmm. as long as you're not muddling up the talent, as long as you're not, you know, making it murky and, and the sound that you want is coming out, that's the genius of production. So yeah. I appreciate that I'm hearing little or smaller nuances as I'm listening to A Curse to Poison the World over and over again. I'm hearing different things and I'm hearing especially different things from when I listened to what was available when you guys were Lex. Mm -hmm. I think people have to kind of get over that a little bit 
and realize you can be overproduced. There are plenty of bands out there that are overproduced in certain areas. That definitely happens. Sometimes it's an artistic choice and sometimes it's not. Sometimes because they just didn't do it properly or they were trying to gloss over something that really couldn't be glossed over. I don't think yeah. that's I don't think that's this. Well, well, that, that's the, the other thing also is that uh, I did see a, a comment on like um, one of the YouTube videos. It was like someone saying that it sounded overproduced. And I was so taken aback because yeah. we worked with Steve Evitz, who is like one of the uh, persons in the industry that is like m almost fully against like fucking all the new Form yeah. of producing he like he he we remember laughing at the fact he calls it thx music ah okay <laughs> i like that i like that almost all bands you know they use fucking programmed bass programmed yep. guitars programmed mm -hmm. drums everything is fucking programmed and he's you know old school as it can be and and we wanted to work with him for that reason because nice. he's just such a fucking g in that in that aspect and so most of the record pretty much everything was recorded fully analog and with like real tones and, awesome. and, and real nuance on everything. So yep. um, even the piano, it, oh, we have yeah, a, yeah. an interlude. That piano is yes. an actual fucking grand piano that, that he has in his studio. So oh, that's things cool. like that we, we only were able to dream about before, before we went to work with him. So yep. I think yep. that it, it really shows that someone doesn't know what they're talking about when they look at uh, at our record and go, oh, yeah, it's overproduced. There's no fucking No, way. there's no way. And <laughs> by the way, I did want to mention that was going to come up at some point. I want to mention that the interlude, it's the name of your original band. So yeah. I appreciate, personally, I like that kind of Easter egg. I like that kind of thing where you're giving homage to what you were before while exactly. you're, you know what I mean? While mm -hmm. you're becoming what mm -hmm. you are now. Yes. yes. So I thought that was a great idea. I'm not a huge fan of interludes, intros and outros and that kind of stuff. Normally that one works <laughs> so well though, because a lot of bands use them as filler. Yeah. So there might be five different interludes and they're all 30 seconds long and they don't add anything unless it's a concept album. It's not really adding anything. This adds mm -hmm. something like that was a beautiful piece, even though it's a short track, it gives homage to what you were before. And it splits up the album very well. So you see that dynamic change too. Yeah. Thank you so much, man. That, that was the idea when we were coming up with it. Like, I think we wanted it to sound very pretty, mm -hmm. but in a dark way. So yeah. very reminiscent of Akira Yamaoka's work for uh, Silent Hill. Yeah. How yeah. you can be in the darkest fucking little worlds, but the music is so calming and, and, and like droning almost. It's like a drone. So mm -hmm. it's, very relaxing and we wanted to to have that because the track that comes after just has such an explosive entrance yes and mm -hmm. so and, and like you said too it would it was perfect to split the record in in that track yeah no it worked it worked really well and i had to mention that but i want to go back to something that you had said damien and i don't normally do this but i actually wrote a quote down that i had seen in some of the marketing for the new album you were quoted as saying Rock music has lost the sloppiness and the vulgarity it used to have. And when you mentioned that, that hit home to me a lot. And it goes into what you're talking about with the production value about using real instruments. Yes. Really putting it out there, what you're capable of and only really using production and, and technology and electronics to just, like I said, to bring out the nuances to showcase what you want to showcase at that point in time. So to me, when I hear that, that's very uplifting. And what I'd imagine too, and please correct me if I'm wrong, I've never had a chance to see you guys live, but does that apply to the way you guys treat live shows as well? Yes. Um, at, at least with the attitude that we have as individuals, I wouldn't say that, that we're sloppy in the way that we play oh, live. No, no. <laughs> we, 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 we intend to sound as fucking on point as possible, but shit, sure. like, I think that it, it's just... I don't know. When we look at bands that, that would get signed from our local scene, they would just kind of become much more like reserved and, and, and like, I don't know if professional is the right word because they would just get more like boring. Wow. And then it would be like, it's kind of like those uh, in sports, you know, when, mm -hmm. when, when you're a, a professional sports player, whether you're football or American football. Yeah. I, I know more about football, so I'm going to... Oh, um, no, I'm a huge fan too, so football, like, please. I was like, we can talk uh, regular football all you want. 
Got you, got you. So like when Messi just started playing, right? Yeah. When he was a kid, he was fucking incredible because he took risks. He was on the floor fucking every second of, of, of the game, you know, right. trying to get the ball. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now that he's an adult, you know, and, and he goes play a, an exhibition show, he's not going to play half his heart because yes. it's like, you know, you can't mm-hmm. risk. Stuff. I think that that's what I mean by like the, the vulgarity and the sloppiness. Yeah. is not, you it's all about nothing. Yeah, it's, it's right. about not giving up that fuck you attitude that, yes. that rock musicians are supposed to have. Like, that's what the point of rock music was always about. It's supposed to be that big middle finger to, to yeah. everything else that's contemporary, everything else that's, like, mainstream. And so I think that you can be a rock band, even bands like Bring Me Horizon, you can be a big mainstream band and still have that fuck you attitude. Like, when Ollie Sykes got on Coldplay's, ta- Coldplay's table at that, that award show, I thought ah, that was fucking... Gotcha. Because... People don't do that type of shit anymore. And I think that it's very needed if you're going to create, uh, if you're going to continue creating culture within within a music scene. Uh, I think that the one of the biggest things that rock music always fed off of was that level of controversy, that level of, of like vulgarity, that level yes. of fuck you attitude. Because it, it's part of what you're selling and, and it's part of what you're supposed to represent as well. That's what I would think. And look, one of the, and I'll equate what you were talking about with your example to live music, I always know I'm in for a good time when I hear one of my favorite bands play and they don't sound exactly like the studio album. Mm-hmm. When, they're, when they're out there, they've changed something, they've changed a, a key or they've done something different because they're not overly backtracked or any of that kind of stuff. They're going out there and they're being open and honest with what their sound is. I, I love that personally. Yeah. That's that fuck you rock attitude that, yeah, maybe, <laughs> yeah. maybe you're not going to hit every single fucking note. Like that's, that's fine. You're capturing what you are as a band. You know, but it, it, the thing is that if you, if you, if you know, you're not going to hit a note, just change it for a scream and it yes. becomes more, it gives it much more of a live like influence. It's, it, right. it becomes more high. Like yeah. it's, it's, I agree hundred percent. I love when bands do that. And I think that, uh, we might've, been doing that a little too much in our first shows so ah, we're definitely okay. still back on it a little more <laughs> because i sing and scream yeah, both right. at the same time okay. like sometimes when you scream too much you kind of really fuck your voice up for the singing so yes. if anything now there's there's a lot more screaming on 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 salem's shoulders uh and uh and i so i can sing a bit more but um nice but yeah no we used to do that so it's funny you mentioned that that you like the bands do that because you know it's something we love as well for you guys, when do you think you're going to hit the road again then? Because would this be the first time hitting the road as the Requiem? Yeah. Okay. Do you guys know? Do you, I mean, you don't have to, you don't have to give it away. Do you plan on though in 2024, do you think you're going to be out there touring? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. That's good. I saw you guys announce, what was that? A festival date or something uh, with Stabbing Westward? Yeah, that's a, it's like a local, uh, type of show uh the promoter hit me up about it and we go back and it was it just seemed like a cool fitting band because we like some of that older 90s stuff yeah yeah that sounds that sounds good but you guys are saying in in general you got you probably will announce something this year yeah 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 no we'll we'll probably announce something that that will be for the next few months and then yeah that that stabbing westward show we have in may may okay so i wanted uh, to go ahead I was going to say that, that that show is going to be sick. Felipe was telling me that um, that band hasn't been here since like 2001 or something, which is incredible. That, that band is so good, man. And yeah. that, I've seen them live be before. Yeah, yeah. Crazy opening for them. I And I like that kind of dynamic because they are very different in sound than what you mm-hmm. guys are, but still in that same vein where you should pick up some new fans based on people going to see them and maybe yeah. not expecting what you guys are going to be bringing. Mm-hmm. So yeah that, yeah, that works out perfectly. I wanted to mention on, uh, on a cure, uh, to, oh wow, a cure to poison the world. I, do you know how when you say something so many times in your head and then you try and do it, yeah. it's <laughs> completely fucked up. So yes, yeah. on the new album, one of the other things that I love. So first of all, I was able to listen multiple times. I even listened to it in the gym. It, it just hits so many different marks. And One of the things I wanted to ask about, I don't know if I've ever seen this done, and maybe I'm dumb, maybe it's happened multiple times, and I completely missed it, but I loved on the very end track, you guys ended with that monologue that then has the same line from the ending to the beginning 
that's the title of that first track. And it makes it so easy to go back to front with the album as well. I know that was just very, very clever. Thank you. Thank Thank you so much. Yeah, that was... That, that, that was intentional, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah that was the intended idea. I, I, don't I, would know. Be, I would be shocked if you had not planted that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if Damien's inspiration for doing that was this, but I, I always took influence from, like, uh, like Antichrist Superstar has something ah, kind of similar yeah, yeah. at the end, where it's just like, you know, I don't think it has the same word. That's no, repeat, no, no, it doesn't. It's like that kind of ending the album with, like, a statement is always cool, in my opinion. Yes. Yeah. The tough part with Antichrist Superstar was there were all those hidden tracks before you, or blank hidden tracks until you got to the hidden track. So you can never go, you know, back to front, basically. It never wrapped around. But this wraps around so well. And it's such a great thing to do with Spotify and iTunes music and all, you know, Apple music, whatever, all that kind of stuff, because it allows people to put that repeat on. And just have it continually go through because it is seamless in what you did. So I just bravo on that for sure. Thank you. Thank you. So guys, I think I'm trying to look. I mean, I had some other stuff to mention, but we're coming up on the hour. And I would love to go in depth with you guys on a lot of other music topics. But obviously, we wanted to focus a lot on the new album that's coming out soon. So before we kind of end things... Was there anything else you guys wanted to mention about the album? I'll have links in the description of the episode so people can pre-order. But was there anything that I missed about the album itself that you wanted to actually discuss? No, not not really. I think you, you touched on on all the things that we find interesting as well about it. Um, especially that 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 like little detail of the last sentence being the the, first, the same yeah. in, in word. Um, and Salem was right about that. I did, you know, obviously get inspired by Manson because. We we love him a lot, and, sure. and he he be doing that on songs like "Overneath the Bath of Misery" and ah. that spoken spoken word type of like parts in, in music. I've always appreciated. I think AFI has done it in some stuff, and I know yep. Creeper has done it. Oh, and, Creeper and, uh, does it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. By the way, you good? One of the things I could see you guys doing, uh, and I don't know if it'll ever be something that you'd want to do, but if you guys did a concept album, I think that would be absolutely beautiful. That, that's the next one, brother. Is it that's really? The next one. Yeah. Yep. That is awesome. I love hearing that because I can see you guys doing, uh, you know, an Alice Santa. I can see yep. you guys doing something like that. Like, you know, AFI has done it in a way, Coheed and Cambria. Obviously, I mean, there's so many, but I could see you guys definitely making that like hauntingly beautiful ode to something. Uh, I think you guys could pull it off really well. Thank you so much. Thank man. you. Absolutely. So, okay. So we did hit. We did hit on everything we wanted to talk about then. All right. So what we'll do is we'll do the the plug section right now. And then do me a favor, guys. We'll say our goodbyes and then stay on the line. We'll talk a little bit more. But what we'll do right now is the album A Cure to Poison the World is coming out on February 16th. That's through Fearless Records. I will have links in the description of the episode so that everybody can pre-order, check you out when you go on tour, check out your social medias. (laughs) All that kind of stuff. But until then, what is the best way to support you guys right now? I'd say uh, just joining us on on our on our socials. uh, Instagram is the Requiem dot band, and uh, the Requiem band. Yeah, the Requiem band, and then Mm -hmm. our our Discord is. We usually post it on there sometimes. So Ah. if anyone wants to join Discord community, okay. Um, And also just to check us out. I mean, we have a couple songs out already, then the rest are going to come out on February 16th. Um, or we're on every streaming service. So yeah, absolutely. Well guys, I I don't know if I stressed it at the beginning, but I, I fucking love this album. I am such a huge fan (laughs) of what you guys are doing. Even after doing this, like you always prep, right? You make sure you're ready to talk about everything. I had known you guys from the past, but I didn't know exactly what you guys were capable of and hearing that album i think people are going to fall in love with it like i did it's just it's Uh exactly yeah man it's just exactly the kind of styles that i enjoy and i know other people do so i really want the best for you guys i think you should be proud of what you were able to accomplish with this album so once again guys amazing album people who are listening make sure you go out and support the requiem and guys thank you so much for taking the time i really appreciate it Thank you for having having us.
That means the world.